Hi friends, welcome to Happily Even After. I'm Life Coach Jen, a certified life coach that specializes in relationships. I'm a mom of four awesome kids and one amazing son-in-law, a home decorator, a remodeler, a shopper, a scrabbler, and a snuggler. I want to help you with your relationships, mainly the relationship you have with yourself, your family, and God. Thanks for listening and letting me share the tools I have learned that can help you live happily, even after some of life's greatest challenges. Hey everyone, so excited to be back here on the podcast today. Um, I brought Jolene Wynn back because I just think pornography is a huge issue in our society, in our world, and there are not enough voices and not enough places, I think, that women can feel safe. And I want women to have a safe place to go. And so that's why I have really enjoyed learning from Jolene about her story, about her journey with her husband. And I just today wanted to kind of talk about like, how do you trust when your husband comes to you, tells you that he is addicted to porn? He's been looking at it for years. You're either blindsided or you're kind of had some red flags. But how do you trust your husband after you find out this information? Because I'm sure it was a relief for your husband to tell you yeah. to say the words, but then he, it's like he took his relief and you've probably, I don't know how you felt, but I, I know from my own experience, it's like, wait, what? Your whole world almost yeah. shatters. You feel shattered. hundred percent. Yes. That's exactly what it was like. And it was fascinating because my husband had been dealing with this for, you know, five, six years. So he wasn't he surprised. All, <laughs> yeah. So he wasn't surprised and he, he kind of viewed it. He felt like he was on like the upswing and he was getting past it, which is why he felt like he could tell me. And for me, that was day one. Yeah. Right. And so one of the things, so trusting was a huge thing. One of the things that I have come to learn about trust is that the most common mistake that we, we believe a lot of lies about trust. unintentionally. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the biggest lies that we believe is that it's dependent on his behavior. It's that we can't trust him until he changes what he's doing. We often leave our decision to trust someone in their hands. Yeah, which makes and, us the victim and yes. they have well, all just, the power, just, which we is just crazy. Have to wait. Yeah. Right? We just have to wait. And if your husband actually starts, you know, getting help and moving forward, then that's great. But if he doesn't, then you're just always going to be waiting. And I have so many clients that thought as soon as my husband starts progressing, then I'll trust him again. And then he starts to progress and they still don't trust him, right? Yeah. Because they're like, well, how can I trust him? Because he lied to me for so many years, right? We have to look at our own thoughts and see why we don't trust him. And I want to give all the ladies listening permission today to not trust him. It's totally okay. Because when we try to convince her, I did this for years. I tried to convince myself that I trusted him, even though I didn't. Yeah. It's like we're I, lying to ourselves because that's the right thing to do. Yes, it is. And it sounds really nice. It's like, well, I should trust him. I'm his wife. He's trying so, especially because at the time he was trying so hard, right? Well, he's telling me now I should trust him because he's being honest now, but I didn't. And no matter how much I tried to think my way out of it, I couldn't because you can't think your way out of how you feel. Yeah. So just trying to convince myself that I trusted him didn't matter how many times I said that it didn't work. It wasn't until I accepted that part of me didn't trust him a little bit 
that then I was able to start looking at that and move forward. Yeah, I love that. I I 100% agree with that thinking. It seems counterintuitive, yes. but it really does work. Yeah. And the other thing I talk about with my clients all the time regarding trust is that it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? Even just that, even saying like, okay, part of me doesn't trust him or or quantifying or qualifying where you don't. You're like, I trust him with my kids. I trust him with my finances. I don't trust him on his phone late at night. Yeah. And nor should you probably, right? And I don't trust you yet, but I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring out a path. Yes. Yes. I love that, right? It's even giving you that yet. That's such a powerful word, right? It's not saying that this is set in stone or that this has to be this way forever, but it's like, this is where I am today and I'm going to work on it and I can change it and we can be different tomorrow. But right now this is where I am and accepting where we are is the only way to move forward because we can't change what we don't even know we want to change. Yeah. That resonates so much with me. So if you can lean into not trusting yet or figuring that out, what about boundaries? Like, do you suggest placing boundaries or creating some boundaries? Do you think that's helpful? If you want to have boundaries, go for it. Most of the time, I find women and all people, not just women, yeah. <laughs> do <this> incorrectly. <laughs> what they try to do is they try to set boundaries um, almost as consequences for the other person's behavior. So for example, with my clients, I see this a lot about relapses, right? They'll say, all right, he has to tell me about his relapses within 24 hours, or he has to sleep on the couch. Mm. And they think that's a boundary. A boundary isn't about having a consequence for his behavior. A boundary is something that's designed to protect you that you're supposed to have control over, right? So it looks more like if he relapses, what am I going to do about it? What do I need? I was coaching a client just today on this and she said, I set a boundary and it is if he relapses, then I'm going to leave. I'm going to move out. And she's like, but I don't really want that. I've recognized, I recognize I don't really want to move out. And so I said, okay, what is it that you want a boundary for? And she says, I really want time and space in order to process Mm -hmm. because I didn't react well the first time. And so I want to be able to react better. So I want to give myself time and space. That's the boundary I want to have. And I said, great. So then she and I had a conversation of what that looks like for her. What kind of time and space do you need? And how will you get it? And for her, it ended up looking like if he relapses, I'm going to take a hike and I'm going to call her one friend that knows. And that's it. And that was her boundary. And she was so happy with that. But it's something she has complete control over. She's going to leave, take some time, go for a hike, process an emotion and call a friend. And that's what she needs. Yeah. And I love that. And I bet having that boundary that feels she's in control of whatever he's doing. And then I'm guessing it's going to be helpful for him. Yeah. Because he might have time and space to think about. Maybe whatever. it could also be terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't be. know. Yeah, it could <laughs> be. be freaking out the whole time. But right? I guess it just, it gives you permission to gain back your control of how you want to feel, how you want to deal with this. Yeah. So um, what happens when you react badly? Like, do you have suggestions on doing, I like to call them do-overs, but like, what do you suggest when you 
I mean, sometimes we can't even control because we go in the fight or flight or freeze. Like, it's like we just, we're just so shocked that, you know, oh my gosh. But what do you suggest when that does happen? Even if it happens every time your husband comes to you or whatever, what can a woman do to try to react in a good way, in a better way? Yes. The number one thing I would say is let go of all the self-judgment. That tends to be the worst thing that we do to ourselves is we react in a way that we're not proud of or not how we want to show up. And rather than just accepting that and moving forward, we beat ourselves up for it. And we feel really guilty and really ashamed. And we make it mean that it's our fault if he relapses again or whatever it is. It's our fault. The conversation derailed. And we take a lot of blame and guilt and shame. And all that does is layer so much negative emotion on top of ourselves that we just don't need. Yeah. So I would say, give yourself permission to look at it and say, you know what? That's not me at my best. And I can accept that that wasn't me at my best. And I don't have to hate myself for it. I don't have to judge myself for it. And it doesn't mean I need to repeat it. It doesn't mean I can't do it differently next time, but I don't have to carry the guilt with me as I move forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think this is a process. It's not like he tells you, you react, it never happens again. This is like a journey. Yes. And just like with yelling at our kids or we don't want to yell at our kids, but we do. And it's like, okay, that wasn't my best self. That's not my best way. Apologize. And next time I'm going to be better. A hundred percent. And yeah, owning what you did do and then doing better next time and know that this isn't, this happened over years and years. Mm -hmm. Do you find that most men can get recovered, like getting help? um, Mm -hmm. Like if they're not choosing to get help, like, is Mm -hmm. that harder as a wife? If they're like, I don't see a problem with it. This is your problem. How does that work? Totally. Here's the thing is, I always tell my clients this and they don't really like it. (laughs) That's okay. But it's totally true is that the circumstance is irrelevant. Yeah. Whether he's just watching porn or he's having affairs, which I've had all over the spectrum where he's has a sexual addiction or he's whatever it is and he's getting help or he's not getting help. All of that is irrelevant. Meaning not that it's unimportant, not that it doesn't matter. It means that that's not what I'm focused on. What's actually coming up for you is how you're affected by it. And that's what you need to look at. Our brain wants to focus on the circumstance. Our brain wants to focus on what he's doing, what he's not doing, because our brain thinks that that is the thing that's creating how we feel. Mm -hmm. And yet it's not. It's not until we accept, okay, what he's doing or not doing is not the point. The point is, how am I thinking and feeling about it? How am I reacting to it? How am I taking this in? What am I making it mean about me? That's the thing to look at. So I don't think that it's necessarily any more difficult for someone whose husband is working through it versus not working through it to heal simply because what it's all about is all internal anyway. Now, they might have a different set of thoughts that create a different set of emotions, but I don't believe it. Just watch out all the women that I've coached, hundreds of women that I've coached. I have never seen 
that one is more difficult than the other. All it all deals with is the negative emotion that we feel, the worthlessness, the what's wrong with me? Why am I not good enough? That's always the core. And if we can work through that, just like we talked about last week, like if we can work through that and change that belief, that's when the magic happens. So that is why, like, that's the whole premise of my coaching practice and everything that I teach is you can move forward even if he's still doing what he's doing. You can move past his pornography addiction even if he never does. Your healing is completely independent. Yeah, I love that so much because that gives you the power and you can also choose to not stay married to that person. If they're not progressing and doing all the things and you're like, I don't want to be married to someone that looks at pornography every day. You get to choose that, but you can't do that from a place of victimhood. And I mean, it just, it's too messy. Yes. You can gain the confidence. So I I do, I totally 100% agree with that. And it's hard to think, we think our circumstances make a difference. And sometimes changing our circumstances is helpful. Yeah. But those new set of circumstances bring a whole other set of issues and problems. And, you know, it's just, they're different. Yes. Because I think often if I would have married someone else, if I would have chosen differently, my life would be different. Well, yeah, of course it would be different, but you would just have a different set of problems and issues. And it might not have been pornography. It might have been affairs. It might have been they can't hold down a job or, I mean, there's a million things that could be. And so figuring out, you know, believing you're good enough, you can do this, you can Your thoughts create your feelings. And we just aren't good at feeling. Our society, that's why we need more people teaching us, um, figuring this out, that it's okay to feel sad and mad. And um, how do you deal with this, like, with your kids? Like, do you guys, are you open with your kids? Do you talk about it with your kids? We do. I actually have tons of resources (laughs) that you can get. They're all on my website. If you go to my website, I actually have a free download that has like all of the tips. It's like my top tips. If you just found out, what am I supposed to do? I just found out my husband's looking at porn and it has pages and pages of resources. And one of those pages is how to talk to your kids. Like it's books and it's websites and Instagram handles that you can follow. And one of the best ones is called Defend Young Minds. And this company makes a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Mm -hmm. And you can get it on Amazon and they have good pictures, bad pictures, junior, which is geared toward kids ages, I think five and under. And then they have good pictures, bad pictures, which is like five to 10. And then they're working on a set of new stories for like preteens. And it's a fantastic resource because it teaches how to talk to kids about pornography. So we are very open with our kids. They, we just have this book like on their bookshelf. We read it all the time. Like they'll go pick it out as their nighttime story. So they know what pornography is. And more importantly, they know what to do when they see it. So I think that's a big thing that most parents miss is maybe they'll talk about pornography, but they won't really define it. And they also don't tell their kids what to expect if they see it or what to do about it. Right. And so that's really the key is teaching kids. What do I do if I see it? What am I supposed to do? Because and you're, they're going to feel something. It's exactly what they're designed to do. It's exactly what the pornography industry yeah. is paid to do is yes. create that response. <laughs> so everything's working exactly as it should. 
but what do they do about it? Usually they feel so much guilt and shame that they don't say anything. And then it perpetuates a problematic cycle. Yeah. But if they learn, oh, this is normal. This is what I'm supposed to feel, but I don't want to look at this. I'm not supposed to. And then I go tell somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's really the I love that so much because having knowledge gives our kids tools and the power to know what's going on. And I, I don't know why that sometimes we're uncomfortable as parents to talk about sex, to talk about porn, but it, it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. It just should be part of our what we talk about and make it more neutral, make it more okay to talk about. Because then it's, they're going to feel safe to come and talk to us. Right. Do you think women, like religious women, this is more of a problem for than non-religious women? Or do you think That's religion has anything to do with how people uh, feel about their husbands looking at porn? So this is purely conjecture. I have yeah. no idea. Most of my clients are either of the LDS faith or strong Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few Muslim clients, but they also have any very religious right? That's who I talk to. That's yeah. who resonates with right. Yeah. very religious. But I have had many, many people follow me who are not religious that have a problem with pornography. Um, I think it just has to do, I, I would, I could assume it wouldn't surprise me if more religious women struggled more with their husbands watching pornography simply because we have certain beliefs around morality that maybe other people don't. Yeah. So I could assume that, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah. I just, I was just curious because yeah. um, maybe we put more meaning behind it. Totally. Um, which isn't good or bad. It just, it, right. it is what it is. And right. so, but I just, I love that there's hope out there yeah. that because if this is your story, anyone listening, it's not, there's always hope and yeah. there's always healing. And, Instead of waiting for your husband to get help, as a woman, you can choose if this is difficult in your marriage, if this is a struggle for you, you can choose to get help regardless of what he's doing. A hundred percent. Yeah. I love that because sometimes I think we're like, well, if he's not getting help, I don't need help. I don't have the problem. Yeah. But chances are you have a problem with your thoughts. What you're thinking is creating disconnect in your marriage probably not wanting to have sex with your husband. It's like almost perpetuates the problem, right? Absolutely. So my wife won't have sex with me. I'm going to go check out and look at porn. Right. Or or even even if she's having all the sex, because honestly, the majority of my clients, they have had a great sexual relationship with their spouse. And it, it might not even show up that way. It might show up in, for me, like for several years, my husband and I just weren't communicating very well. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead, because he didn't want to talk about it, but I did. And so I would say like every six months or so, I would say, so how are you? Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be like, okay. I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And it, it, it shows up in the way you communicate. It shows up in the times when you don't trust him, when he's on the phone, in the movies that you watch next to each other and you're uncomfortable. Like that comes across, right? Yeah. It affects our relationship not only with ourselves, but with our spouse. And so it's really important to take a look at because even if it's not affecting us the way that we think, if you're at all affected, you're allowed to go get help for it, even if he's not doing anything. 
Yeah, and you, it would be a benefit to you and your family to do that for your mental health. Absolutely. Because you can feel better and get the tools and get the knowledge and figure out it's not about you. You yeah. are enough. Yeah. And figure out if you feel like you're not, figure out how to gain more confidence or become mm-hmm. the person that you want to be. As yeah. opposed to just inventing, I don't know. I I feel like it. Sometimes you just feel crazy when these things are going on in your life. Yeah. But you can feel in control if you get the help and find the tools. So, absolutely. Thanks so much, Jolene. It was so nice to meet you. Maybe we'll meet in person someday. Thank you so much for having me. But I really appreciate your work, and I think it's very needed. And so. Everyone, you can go find Jolene on Instagram, go to her website. You have group coaching. Do you do individual coaching? I do one-on-one coaching, but in a group setting. Okay. So I have a lifetime access group coaching program that you join. You get all my online material. And then I do twice weekly coaching calls. So everyone logs on together, but I coach one-on-one. Okay. And then you get individual coaching with me um, just through messaging, through a messaging system. Yeah. So there's lots of ways to work yeah. with you and you're there to help yeah. and you can go find her book, read her book. Um, so if you have someone in your life that you know has a porn addiction problem, whatever you want to call it, I think finding the person that fits with you, um, Jolene, follow her, get information, but finding help is so important. And Absolutely. yeah. Anyways, so thanks so much. Have an awesome day. Enjoy. I'm guessing it's warm and... It's very warm. Yeah. <laughs> warm and you. humid. Thank you so much for having me. I really okay. appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jolene. Have a great day. If you want to learn how to live happily even after, sign up for my email at lifecoachjen.com. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Happily Even After Podcast. Let's work together to create your happily even after. <laughs>